Hello everyone, I'm here with Sandra Gonzalez, Product Design Director at Not On The High Street and previous colleague of mine at Just Eat as well. Hello. Hi Chris. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Cool. Um, we're here to talk today a bit about measuring UX, which is a topic I feel has got quite important in recent years as UX has kind of been trying to prove its worth to people mm -hmm. in the business world. Um, but before we get into that, could you tell us a bit about kind of your background, how you got into UX and product design, that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Um, it's been a bit of a many different roads to get here, um, but the long story short, <laughs> um, I got a degree in uh, engineering. I was always very curious how things work and um, I really like mathematics, but I also like education, so I got a degree in education as well. And when I um, I was working on like figuring out what I wanted to do right after college, I decided to go for a nice mix of uh, educational technology, mm -hmm. and therefore I work for a company called Scholastic, which um, they published uh, Harry Potter in the States, and that kind of put me in a situation where um, I was able to think about how you can promote um, children's books to um, through the online gaming uh, kind of opportunity. So um, that's kind of my opening into the workforce, <laughs> a little bit of engineering, a little bit of education, but also a little bit of, of experience and thinking about how would a child think about you know Harry Potter and what, what kind of experiences they would like to have online yeah. uh, before or after they read the book. Um, and then from there, I did some front-end engineering. I also was a high school teacher in the States for a while. Um, and I ended up in Microsoft as a, what we call, I guess, product uh, manager at the time. Um, and that's where I discovered my passion for UX. So um, having done front-end engineering, I was a really good prototyper, I would say. And it was really easy for me to put quick HTML code together and then I am like well, who does this job actually because uh, <laughs> the UX researchers would be like oh would you tweak this and I was like yeah sure I can do that and then I'm like well who's who's in charge of this and then they're like yeah the UX designers and that's how I realized that that's what I wanted to be when I grow up um, and yeah and then from there it's all history I got I first it was right around the time that mobile was taking off so I created my own app I created my own business behind it so I can later position myself as a UX designer of my very own app what did whatever. your app do? Um, it was um, pretty much um, a collection of apps uh, for children and parents. So it was um, curating a catalog of apps. Uh -huh. And um, the way I was able to kind of really get my UX skill set up to speed was um, doing heuristic evaluations of the apps for developers, random developers around the world. So I would send them a heuristic evaluation and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but I tested your app with a child and these are the things you can improve. And they would be like, oh, well, thank you. I was not expecting that. And then they would do an upgrade and then suddenly their star rating would go up and they're like, oh, this yeah, is great. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And then it was, it was actually really helpful because at the time even though I didn't have all the background in design everyone was looking for um, mobile focused designers and there were only a, like a few people getting into well a few people that had any experience so that was um, a, a really nice window opportunity for me to be able to position myself as a, as a Windows phone uh, I know Windows phone <laughs> wow, <laughs> I said so. it uh, app, app designer and then from there I was able to kind of get into um, a, a UX position and work my way up to now 
Oh, you missed out the DJ part. I, oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was. Slip that one in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So one of the other things that we'll touch on a bit today as well is UX for change. Um, do you want to talk us through a bit about what that is for people that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. So UX for Change was founded almost five years ago. We're about to celebrate five years next month. Um, and originally, it was all around um, the fact that the legislation in the UK has um, changed to request uh, schools to teach children how to code. Um, and to me, that was fascinating. But at the same time, my, my biggest question is, okay, they're going to learn how to code, but what are they going to code? Um, and I feel like the emphasis on coding wasn't really addressing the fact that we needed to help children become makers. And by being a maker, you need to think about the end-to-end experience. What, you know, are you trying to, what problem you're trying to solve? How are you going to promote your app and all of that? So what I kind of did um, back in uh, 2015 was... I posted the challenge back to the UX community at a conference and I said, what are we doing to train teachers to become UX designers? And um, it resonated quite well and I had kind of like really nice um, feedback and people wanted to get involved. And and that's kind of the, the, the first um, pivot, I would say, of, of the concept. Um, and then from there, we realized that there was more opportunities um, within the kind of non-profit public sector. Um, and I started working with um, other organizations, and it wasn't just education, it was um, at the time, especially with the refugee crisis, uh, working on how can we bring UX skill sets to um, places that they don't have any access uh, to, and how can we connect the nonprofit community with the UX community so they can kind of contribute and and, and, and bring um, user-centric design practices into what they do. Um, And yeah, now fast forward five years, and um, we managed to open a chapter in, in, in New York, and I just just announced <laughs> a chapter in Sydney, so um, oh, cool. we're a global organization. Um, Both hemispheres covered now. Yes, that's right. We can officially call ourselves global. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what pretty much UX for change. So, in, in a nutshell, it's um, events at night uh, that are usually about three hours, where we um, work with a nonprofit to define a UX challenge, and then the UX community comes along and tries to solve that challenge through um, mostly like um, mini hackathons or design sprints. And then the nonprofit takes that and tries to push it forward in their organization, and that's how it works pretty much at the yeah. moment. <laughs> cool, um, so yeah, we'll probably circle back to that in a bit. Um, so talking about measuring UX then, why do you think that's become a bigger focus for the design community and also, I guess, businesses in a more general sense to like help them understand what value UX is bringing? So I feel like up to this point, we've kind of been able to sell it on the fact that it sort of makes sense, like being empathetic to your customers, you know, is a good thing to do and will help your business. But it's been quite tough to quantify that in a way that makes sense to maybe CEOs and investors. Yeah, why do you think that trend has happened and and what's kind of happening in that space at the moment? Yeah, so, yeah, I think one of the things that's happened, um, and and if we look back 20 years ago, um, the ability to do fast computations was an incredible um, 
disruptor um, and, and our focus was for a really long time technology and by technology I mean uh, being able to put some code together and, 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 and get people through some sort of experience that usually needed a manual anyways but just the ability to be able to do those computations was so important so the focus was very uh, much on, on, on just the capability around that um, but in the last I would say 10-15 years we uh, that have to be commoditized pretty much that, that, that is there everyone gets access to like supercomputers all the time but 20 years ago we were called supercomputers and now um, the, the, the real differentiator is the experience so now it's not about that reading that manual so that a, a human can actually use that piece of software but it's more about how can we make it so intuitive that people can actually you know deal with what we have <laughs> that we put in front of them as, as something they don't need to train themselves or they don't need to understand you know any anything beyond just show me something and I know what I have to do next um, so in a way um, the, the field that is the discipline of, of user experience design has been elevated uh, by the fact that it became a differentiator um, and with that um, the need to understand what that means, impact for the business, uh, I think it became quite important. Um, so before um, the UI could have been an afterthought, where now it has to be kind of the core of, of, of any experiences that you're putting together. Um, and, and that has given, in a way, a, a seat at the table um, to UX um, leaders. Um, and and then once you have that, it becomes um, um, there's a need to uh, speak in commercial terms as to what that particular um, discipline is bringing uh, to the overall strategy of a company. So I think the trend could have come from that point, uh, from that direction. I also think that it's also coming from. Um, having done so much um, kind of experimentation and also disruptive um, products that as a, as a, as a community um, or yeah, as, a, as, a, as a human <laughs> species, we're starting to realize that we're, we're, we're experiencing, we are um, actually being impacted uh, by, by this new uh, disruptive technology. Um, so, so there's that commercial aspect I just spoke about, but there's also the more kind of uh, human aspect, and is what does it mean for us to be interrupted continuously throughout our days? What does it mean for us as humans to be able to connect to anyone in the world? What does it mean to be able to speak about different things with people we never met and all of that? Um, and, and, and when things are at that massive scale, there's also a question, is, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And yeah. at the end, is, is that you know, desire and need to understand what it means for us. So um, I look at it from both angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thinking about how we've been measuring UX currently, obviously NPS is the, seems to be the prevalent one still. Um, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> thoughts. Um, yeah, well, NPS is a funny one because, um, yeah, there's been a lot of blogs and talks about how it's not a great uh, way of measuring experience. Um, there is the, the technicalities, nuances that sometimes the way the question is asked 
um, people interpret it completely different. I've been in that situation where I use a highly specialized software that none of my friends or family would ever use, and then they're, they're asked, would you recommend it? And I'll go, well, no, because they would never use it. Do I think it's great? Oh yeah, it's fantastic, right? And, and, and right there, I kind of skewed the whole kind of idea of how satisfied I was. Um, so yeah, so so as a as a question itself, I think it it, it needs um, yeah explanation, better context, and all of that. But it's also a very single, like very narrow view, a single view way of thinking about the experience. And and again, it, it goes back to before we were lucky we even had anything around understanding. Um, measuring anything around the experience now that we understand so much more about uh, how we can create good experiences um, we need to kind of move that forward um, and there's many other ways of thinking about the experience and one that I'm really really keen on understanding is things that are really hard to measure uh, so how do you measure emotions how do you measure um, anxiety or moments of, of, of delight and happiness that's, that's something, and especially when you look at it through the journey. Um, so, so that's where I see um, other companies, other, other, um, yeah, like best practices moving towards, and, and that's exciting because now we would be able to um, have more uh, understanding of where things kind of fall apart and, and, and do more with that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, off the back of that, then, if NPS isn't the answer, like, how can we tie the impact UX is making to business and sort of close that gap? Have you seen any good frameworks that have been emerging or any methodologies that you think are promising? Yeah, um, so, yeah, there's, there's quite a few other methodologies, frameworks. Uh, I think uh, Google has Heart as one of them. I think the one I would like to share with you today is uh, one of the things we're doing at UX for Change uh, because... I, I can see it being um, a, a really interesting proposition, especially when we think about uh, measuring impact beyond that specific business uh, focus, strategy, you know, ultimate kind of goal kind of thing. And that's one of the reasons I was so passionate to present this at Euroi8 last, last year, uh, where you kind of take that measurement even into what does it mean to the world that these experience exists. So I have been working with um, Tim Dixon. He is um, actually our director of social impact um, and at UX for Change. And he developed a framework called the Digital Impact Framework, uh, where he looks at um, kind of different things that could be measured. And then how do you actually um, extrapolate that into beyond just the particular experience? And what does it mean for a community? What does it mean um, globally? So it's pretty much identifying the, the inputs. Okay, you have all these outcomes. What does it mean for the actual impact across not only your internal team, but for your users, consumers, beneficiaries, whichever you know uh, type of experience you're trying to create. And then because of that, what does it mean for that community? And then you take it globally. What does it mean globally? Um, it's it's um, on our website. You can go to um, UX number four change.org and it will say DIF, which is uh, Digital Impact Framework. And uh, yeah, the, 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 we have a canvas 
uh, that was all developed by Tim and uh, you, you can read um, some material of how you can use it on, on your day to day. Um, and yeah, and, and, and I think for me what's really exciting about it is as we look at all the artifacts that we put together in our design process like personas or a prototype or anything, um, we usually stop at the moment where we know the user finished the, ex the, 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 the the journey or we look at the you know end results through conversion but are we being um, are we are we doing a good job thinking about and then what does it mean for the day-to-day -day, for the wellness for their well-being for the nation for you know all these other aspects so so yeah so that's that's the, the latest one I've been using and uh, I it has um, a, a lot it has made me think a lot about different things so mm -hmm. that's that what I would recommend at the moment. <laughs> Shameless blog. <laughs> yeah, we'll link that all in the show notes and mm -hmm. stuff so people can check that out. So if I'm a, a UX person, I'm coming into an organisation, let's say NPS is kind of the de facto thing, what are some of the first steps I could do to help measure UX a bit more effectively or start to at least move the ball in the, the right mm -hmm. direction? Yeah, so coming new into an organization is really important to understand, number one, where the organization is at when it comes to uh, just understanding NPS as a, as a, as a way to measure um, it, the experience. Um, so it, it really is going to require a lot of conversations. Many, many times this gets reported into the board, so understanding uh, how it gets um, kind of reported, what's the length of time, how they're tracking it year to year and things like that because any changes to something that has been well established is always tricky. <laughs> but so, so, so just really understand what you have to play with. Also, um, from there, really try to understand what's important to the organization um, and, and think about it from kind of many different levels. So from a strategic point of view, what is the organization trying to accomplish when it comes to uh, user-centric design? Is there going to be like a change of behavior? Is that something that's important? Is that, um, are they thinking about um, the wellness of the, of, the, of, the, of the customers? Are they thinking about um, making things easier or so on and so forth? So really try to understand things that really resonates with the organization and then try to find people across the organization that can really help you collect key pieces of data and I think that's one of the things that um, is most fascinating because sometimes um, if, if we don't think about the organization in a kind of wider kind of approach there is all this wasted information that never makes it to a kind of a concise, synthesized uh, form. So, so once you find that theme, figure it out if it makes a lot of sense to um, maybe have conversations with anyone that is more involved with your customers in the day-to-day. -day. And if there's any questions they can ask in their interaction that could help you kind of measure that particular thing that you, you want to kind of establish, um, I think it's going to have a lot of try and error and, and, and give yourself a, a little bit of safe space to do that so uh, as you're trying to understand what NPS means to the company and you're trying to test different things um, just just kind of find your allies and go and try different things and understand if these can later be positioned as a, a nice complement to an NPS score um, I wouldn't recommend just saying oh NPS is rubbish we wouldn't even yeah it, it, you have to 
do that transitional aspect. And then if it becomes a nice complement to, to the MPS, then think about how you can dial it up um, and, and, and figure it out if maybe one day you don't have MPS as, as we know it. <laughs> but it's, 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 as I said, it could be a quite sensitive subject. So just walking there with a little bit of cautious, but with a little a bit a lot of curiosity because uh, I honestly don't think there is going to be and I think this is where MPA is kind of falls apart it, there is no one size fits all measurement I think yeah. it has to be properly thought out for the organization what they're trying to accomplish who their beneficiaries or their customers are their partners um, and that's, that's a, a really exciting job for a UX designer uh, but it's not an easy one. <laughs> yeah, I think that stakeholder mapping bit at the beginning is really important Very because important. yeah, you've got to understand like who's actually collecting it in the first place, who's on a day-to-day basis like asking them, you know, what's come back, what are the verbatims, all that stuff. How is that then being used? Is that tied to any other sort of targets or KPIs and stuff like that? And yeah, like a lot of stuff with design, there's no point going in holier than thou and you know your way is rubbish until you've understand like how it's actually embedded in the organization because you're just going to get a bad reputation oh, very yeah. quickly you're going to burn a lot of bridges and some organizations tie their bonus to mps yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a big that. one uh, so yeah so baby steps gently gently uh, but i do believe it could it could bring such amazing conversations in the future and it can really help position ux as a strategic discipline so yeah, yeah it's, it's worth putting the effort mm-hmm. yeah I really like that idea of kind of understand the impacts in the wider community about what you're doing so it's hard a bit harder to imagine in an e-commerce context perhaps um, when you're just shipping products but even then you know when the person receives the product like how does that affect the environment how how do their friends and family interact with that product yeah it's quite a lot a lot more you can do to think about the impact you're having I think with maybe what on the surface might seem quite small changes yeah yeah absolutely and 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 it makes you maybe make decisions along the kind of afterlife it could be you know you deliver this product but maybe the box can become something else right but if you weren't thinking about it that far there out you would never consider it and it could be a little small change that would make already all the difference one thing that i really like about um co-op is that they figured out a way to use the new legislation about charging for a bag uh, to make good and to help the, the customers and the bag is composed their bag so that is not going to be another bag that may end up in the sea, but you can actually, everyone in England, I, well, most people, I guess, do need to buy those bags and to, to, to do their composting. So these are little things that is like that little bit that makes a difference. I don't know how much extra money you have to spend on that, but as a customer, I just love it. I feel like they're taking care of me end to end, and I don't have to worry about the fact that I had to buy that bag because I forgot the bag at home. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's definitely sort of like a halo effect to the brand and brand perception as well. So, yeah, there are some more tangible benefits, I guess, as well. Yeah, but you only get that out of thinking holistically, really thinking about beyond the outcome, beyond the corporate impact. uh, It's like, what does it mean for the community? What does it mean globally? So, Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I think that's all I had. Is there any upcoming events or anything you'd like to to shout out that people can get involved with? 
Uh, yes, so we are planning a few events in all different uh, cities. Um, I think one of the things that we are super excited about is to um, continue measuring um, impact. So with this framework I just talked about, we are now establishing um, a, a, our discipline of talking to um, the nonprofit before the event, right after the event, and six months later. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I have been super, super lucky is to have researchers um, from junior researchers all the way to uh, super super um, senior researchers with PhDs behind them to help me with that so I, I just want to you know make a shout become part of the UX for change community by going to meetup.com you'll find us there or just go to our website UX for change and the four is a number <laughs> UX number four change.org um, and, and, and if you want to lend us a hand or just come to one of our events for three hours and help a nonprofit think differently about some of the challenges they're facing uh, that would be brilliant so I, I hope to see you all there awesome well thank you very much thank you Chris search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favourite podcast app and leave us a review follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at Design Untangled become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me